Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. Haunted by this woman's music uh, over the last week or so, um, and what she's doing is kind of remarkable too. Her name is Larry Ward, and she's now essentially put out two albums in which she takes Sondheim songs and kind of re-musicalizes them, um, which is kind of a gutsy thing to do with Sondheim. Uh, but you know, she changes some majors to minors and minors to majors and. And puts in little licks that weren't there before, and I don't know. She kind of finds stuff behind the the um, I can't say visible <laughs> behind the most audible part of the melody, uh, and does other things with them. And it doesn't always work. And in fact, every time she starts one of these songs, I think this is not going to work. Uh, and you know, eighty percent of the time, I'm wrong. Um, if I have a complaint with her, there is a little bit of a sameness that kind of creeps in to her handling of this. On the other hand, that song, Pretty Women, which is from Sweeney Todd, it needed this because in Sweeney Todd, like pretty much everything in Sweeney Todd, it is part of an incredibly grim and macabre and foreboding moment. Uh, and it, it's uh, Sweeney Todd and, and the judge are both kind of talking about the, or singing about the spell that Pretty Women cast upon them, causes them to do horrible things. So, um, but it's a beautiful song. <laughs> it's a perversely beautiful song. So I'm thrilled by this, and I wanted to share it with you. And her name is Larry Ward, E-L-E-R-I, uh, and then Ward, just like Ward. All right, so today is Ask or Tell Me Anything. Uh, the number is 888-720-WNPR. If you're not familiar with this format, it's because there is no format. Um, but you, you should be familiar with the fact that there is no format. And um, so you can call up about anything, 888-720-9677. And I will either have something to say about it or I won't. Um, but um, you know, but either way, 
<laughs> either way, you will be entertained, uh, either by my clever insights or my cluelessness. And what else did I want to say? Oh, before we go to the calls, and we've got some interesting calls on the board already. Um, before we go to the calls, uh, I, I did say before the news that I feel as though, first of all, I'm not at my best today. And the reason I'm not at my best is partly because of the time change. And I don't like to be a time change whiner. And this is actually my preferred time change. Spring ahead is better for me than fall back because I don't like it getting dark. Like there's certain things I get out of around 5.30. And twice a week I leave something around, you know, 5 or 5.30. I teach until 5.30. Um, and I don't like it to be dark when I walk out. Like I don't, li- I don't like the experience of walking in to something when it's daylight and then walking out and it's pitch black. Whatever it is, I, like I, I, w- I would. It's a problem I have with late afternoon movies. Back right, back when I went to movies, anyway, I had that problem. But I do feel as though we're set up to fail here. You know, we're set up to fail, particularly on this day. There were a lot of things that I wanted to do and read and get to today, and I, I just felt the time slipping away from me. And it's it, it feels like you're missing more than an hour. You know, you can really only be missing an hour, but it feels maybe because of your level of disorientation, like. You're, you're cheated out of more than an hour. And so my proposal today is that we either stop doing this, that would be the preferable thing, um, or if we're going to continue doing this, I think the, the Monday after the spring forward should be called We Understand Day. And, you know, you show up to work and you just, you just don't have it. You know, you got no mojo. We understand. We understand. We understand that you tried to get everything done and you didn't. We understand because there's a, an hour missing uh, or something. Something is terribly wrong. <laughs> that would be the other name for the day, I guess. Something is terribly wrong day. Um, all right. A little bit later, if there's time, I'll tell you one of the reasons that this has hit me a little harder this year than it typically does. But the main purpose uh, of this format is to let you talk. 888-720-WNPR. You may call up about any topic. There are no limits. There are no boundaries, which, you know, shouldn't work, but sometimes does. 888-720-9677. Let's go to Anthony in New Haven. Hi, Anthony. Hey, Colin. Uh, Second-time caller. Love the show. Well, thank you. Um, and by the way, just before I get to my question, I, I too, have a similar issues with late-afternoon movies, and hmm. for that reason... I will specifically go to movies earlier in the afternoon, uh, especially, uh, you know, fall and winter. So uh, I share your your concern there. Yeah, because it's like the world, um, it's like you, over two hours, the world ended, right? You, you went in, the world was exactly. fine. The sun was in the sky. You come out, there's pitch black. The world has clearly ended. Anyway, continue. Sure. So I work in a large office, and in the office uh, break room, there is a bag of chips that has been there for several months and is calling my name. Uh, So I'm curious whether uh, there's a statute of limitations on food left in the office break room. Uh, And if so, you know, is that different for something perishable like an apple as opposed to a bag of chips? All right. So I need details on this. So this is an unopened bag of chips, kind of of like a single serving unopened bag of chips. All right, and it's out like on some table or countertop. Right, correct. And and it's been weeks, months, months. Oh, you can eat it. Yeah, I mean, you can eat it. I think you can eat it, eat it guilt free. I I mean, it is. 
there are rules, rules that keep our society held together and, and prevent us from descending into chaos. Obviously, a lot of those rules currently are not working, but let's set that aside for a moment. Uh, but it does seem to me here, here is an unattended bag of chips. The person who owned this bag of chips no longer probably even remembers owning the bag of chips. Uh, if the person cared about the bag of chips, it wouldn't be sitting there. It would either be inside the person's stomach or at the person's house. It wouldn't be sitting up there in what is a semi-public place. Uh, so I would feel that you could eat the chips if you felt like it was important to leave a note. You could leave a note that said that I told you you could eat the chips uh, and you could you know, <laughs> provide them with my contact information. Uh, but no, I feel it is a complicated thing. You know, a break room is a complicated place because it is. It's semi-public, right? I mean, the average schmo can't walk in off the street and eat the chips that are there. Uh, they are. These are all just, you know, it's shared space among coworkers. Uh, and, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong. We have in the past had a problem with people just failing to maintain the sink, you know, just putting stuff in the sink. And <laughs> just leaving it there. <laughs> and at times, the buildup of stuff that's in the sink is just, you know, a little bit terrifying. Uh, and you never know who those people are because whatever goes – I mean, one thing that I can assure you about you and these chips is when you eat them, there'll be nobody else in sight, right? Everybody does their sociopathic break room stuff when there's nobody else there. If there's eight people in there, you're not going to go in there and eat those chips. And that's that, everything that goes wrong in break rooms goes wrong because the person is in there alone and suspends their principles. But I'm urging you to suspend your principles. Okay, I will eat them guilt-free. And right. uh, if, if, if I get caught, if someone walks in, I'll tell them that Colin McEnroe said yeah, it was you can, okay. You can rat me out. I, I swear to God, it's okay. I don't mind being ratted out. Uh, and and I'll, I'll take the weight on this. Uh, I am... I'm I'm there for you. Plus, this Thanks, is, plus this is all recoverable as a podcast, so you could always introduce it as evidence, even if I denied knowing you. Uh, all right, uh, go be happy, snack well. You know, I mean, I can't I can't say the chips are going to do you any good, but chips chips are good. Chips are chips are there to help us. All right, we have a somewhat more serious call. In fact, a considerably more serious call here, but we should talk about this too. Eric from Cheshire is calling. Hi, Eric. Uh, hi, Colin. First, I uh, want to let you know that uh, I understand completely uh, about uh, this spring forward stuff uh, of one hour. So, um, but uh, what I'm calling about is a uh, February 28th. I think it was 28th or 29th uh, podcast of all things considered, uh, in which. Uh, uh, involved a discussion of a woman in Texas named Lauren Miller, who uh, was carrying uh, twins, but found out that one of them had two uh, fluid-filled masses in its head and uh, had a condition, was diagnosed with a condition called uh, trisomy. Uh, and uh, she had read online that uh, 90% of the fetuses with that condition would die uh, before birth. And uh, she was also advised by a genetic counselor to abort uh, that fetus to prevent complications for uh, its twin as well as for her. Uh, but that 
what she the wall she ran into was the fact that uh, the Texas abortion ban uh, prohibits her from being able to get the procedure. So she had to travel uh, all the way to Colorado in order to get this done, uh, just to save uh, one fetus as well as prevent complications for herself. And and I just, you know, I called about a month ago about uh, a book written by Alex Bezerides uh, titled Evolution Gone Wrong, uh, which uh, explains the uh, complications and the risks that uh, humans go through uh, during pregnancy and childbirth as a result of becoming bipedal. And uh, I strongly recommend that people read that that particular book because I, I, I think we all really need to be uh, much more aware and educated uh, about that type of thing. Yeah, this, this story was... Uh, mind-blowing. And uh, it it is a perfect example of why these comprehensive blanket laws, they don't work, they shouldn't be in place. Even even a person who maybe had a different point of view from you or I uh, about uh, about abortion, about reproductive choices, uh, even that person, you would think you know, they. I think they started calling the fetuses A and B, um, and so B was the one with. I think it's called Edwards syndrome is the um, you know more informal name for it. Um, so B was the one that was almost definitely not going to be viable. A was the one that could conceivably be saved, but only at the expense of B. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, if you're you know if you're so called pro life, why don't you want to do that? Uh, why don't? Because I mean, the other possibility was. Both fetuses lose. Maybe the birth mother loses too. Everybody loses. Um, it, it just—it seemed actually like the kind of thing would, that would be easy to get consensus about. Except you've got this dumb law in the books. So yeah, uh, it's a great example of why you don't want to make that kind of law. Why you want to give medical providers a certain amount uh, of latitude and parents a certain amount of latitude. Anyway, okay. I mean, is that it? Uh, have we handled this? I agree. Yeah, uh, yeah well, thank you for uh, mentioning that or right. having me call. Okay. okay. Thanks for that. We've got plenty of space for you to call in right now. It doesn't have to be something dire. It could be something about the chips in the break room or something along those lines. 888-720-WNPR. 888-720-9677. So the other reason that I'm a little foggy-headed today, I think, is because... I've been experiencing for about a week upper back pain, like sort of over around my shoulder blades. And I know I've had, you know, I'm a person of a certain age. And I have, I mean, lower back pain is part of being a human being, right? I think it's in the Bible. I think it's somewhere in Genesis. Uh, God creates man and then says the back is not right. Uh, I think what God said was he could, God created man and he looked at man, he beheld man. And he said, you know what, I'll fix this in post. Uh, and then it just didn't work out because we went and sought knowledge on our own. Uh, and before you know it, you've got all kinds of problems. But, um, but anyway, I get that over the course of my life, I will have lower back pain. Upper back pain I was not prepared for. <laughs> and it wakes me up. It, no matter what I do, it wakes me up. So, you know, and so it wakes me up at like 5 in the morning. Except that thanks to whoever thought of this dumb clock thing, it wakes me up at what feels like 4 in the morning. Um, and so I don't, you know, I don't lay this out as one of the great problems facing humankind, but it's my problem right now. 
And it's one of the reasons that I may not be re- as responsive to your needs as as I would be ordinarily. Um, but I will try my best. That's the only thing that I can do. The number again, 888-720-WNPR. That's 888-720-9677. I also want to say I have Mr. Carp envelopes here if I need them. Now, Mr. Carp, for those of you who are somewhat new to this format, Mr. Carp is somebody I went to college with. He was the smartest person at the college. And he is now, I think, semi-retired is the right word. Uh, but he does ascend. Uh, he has a large room that I've now, <laughs> I've now seen pictures of uh, where he, he takes periodicals and he clips things out of the periodicals. And then he underlines them somewhat cryptically. Like sometimes he'll send you a clip about something that you already knew about, but it will be underlined in such a manner as to suggest that there are things that you have not paid adequate attention to. And so you look at it all over again and you think, did I miss something here? Is there some real important lesson here that I just didn't pick up on the first go round? And and there's no point in contacting him because he, he, he will give a sphinx-like answer to that, to a question like that. I mean, you're supposed to do you're supposed to do some of the heavy lift, lifting on your own. But the point is, I have I have more than one of these envelopes here. If an emergency arose, I could open one of them and talk about whatever the contents were, or or attempt to, to talk about whatever the contents are. I'm hoping it doesn't come to that, unless you want me to. In which case, you could call 888-720-WNPR 888-720-9677 and say the code word pineapple. Pineapple means you want me to open one of the Mr. Carp envelopes an attempt to cope with its cryptic contents. All right, time to go back to the phones here. So, uh, a little bit later, I want to tell you about, well, let me tell you about two things right now, and then we're going to go to Iman, who's a regular here on uh, Ask or Tell Me Anything. But uh, so on Wednesday, we have a show about daydreaming. And we're still looking for a little bit more listener participation uh, in the daydreaming show. Like We'd like to know about your experiences with daydreaming, uh, I might even have something here that I could read to you. Yes. <clears throat> We're going to talk about why we daydream and what daydream does to your brains. And we want to know about your experiences daydreaming. What do you daydream about? You can either email uh, Colin Show. I, that's all one word. Colin Show at ctpublic.org. Or you can leave a voicemail at 860-275-7214. I shouldn't be giving out multiple phone numbers on one show that's too, too confusing. But um, once again, if you have a daydreaming thing to share with us, it's Colin Show, all one word, at cdpublic.org, or you can leave a voicemail at 860-275-7214. All right, now we're going to go back to the phones, and we will go to Iman as promised. Iman, you from New Haven have the floor. Hi, Colin. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, I wanted to talk about Ron DeSantis today. Mm-hmm. Um, he's someone that I find extremely stressful, and I give him a lot of mental space. Um, and I think that's because, like, the sort of way he governs Florida is like really terrifying. Um, and I think there are like plenty of undemocratic things going on around this country. I think I'm particularly sensitive to Florida because I grew up there. My parents still live there. I still visit sometimes. Um, but yeah, for me, I see him and he actually feels more terrifying than Trump. Um, for me, I feel like the way in which Trump is undemocratic is 
you know, somewhat blundering, somewhat clumsy, sort of like, oh, I lost the election. Like, no, 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 I'm, I can't lose anything. Well, I feel like Ron DeSantis and it's just, you know, like with a scalpel passing bills and proposing bills that are um, truly stripping away um, freedoms in that state, which is ironic because he's a book. Some called like I don't know, courage to be free or some nonsense. Um, and yeah, I just I want I feel like we need to be more vigilant, and I feel like it's scary that he will likely run for president, and that if people vote for him, I feel like it's a way of saying that like everything that he's doing in Florida, we want you to do to the U.S. Um, so yeah, I, I it causes me a lot of stress. I think about this way too much. Um, and yeah, that's what I want to talk about. Well, we talk about Ron DeSantis uh, quite a bit in the class that I teach, which is about political journalism. I, I feel that Ron DeSantis is unusual, not unique, but unusual in the sense that for the most part, a, a politician who's the governor of a state when the state is not either New York or California or maybe Texas, um, if you're not any of those things, then you are a governor who nobody has known anything about for a really long time, for most of your, your time in office. Nobody has known anything about you except the people in your state. And I know Florida is also a very big state, but I think for a long time that was kind of true. And then what's happened with DeSantis, which has been interesting, is people have sort of gotten to know the name DeSantis. You know, they know that there's a person with that name, that he's probably going to run for president, as you just said, but they don't haven't really experienced him too much. Maybe a clip here, a clip there. And for most politicians who are seeking a much higher office from the, the, than the one that they currently hold, exposure is so important. Name recognition is so important. They got to, you know, people got to know who you are. And I think for Ron DeSantis, this actually might not be true uh, because he strikes me as the kind of person who, the more you get to know him, yes, he's like Trump, but he's smarter than Trump. But he's also like Trump, but he's less amusing. Than Trump. I mean, mm. say what you want about Trump, uh, uh, and I probably have said worse, but there's something kind of amusing about Trump when he's not being so appalling that you begin to fear for your own safety in any country that he might be the president of. When he's not that, then there's something kind of funny about him. Uh, and there's something very human about him. Um, yeah. And, and th- th- those qualities don't seem to exist in DeSantis. He just seems like this really, he's much smarter, you know, obviously a very well educated guy and stuff like that. But he seems, first of all, so angry <laughs> and, and kind of without any form of charm. You know, Trump has this sort of anti-charm charm, right? He's, he's so weird and mushy, soft body and kind of strange, you know, affect and everything. But there's something people – I can sort of get why people like him. I could never like him. But I can sort of get why people like him. He's like this kind of weird – Toy, this huge toy you brought bought at FAO Schwartz, you know, and it doesn't really work right, and it's not that appealing to look at or anything. But you sort of you you can understand how somebody might bond with that toy. But I don't know, like, there, what would a Ron DeSantis toy even do? Like, it would bite you or something, you know? It just like be this really angry toy with snapping jaws that you, you would lock into the closet, never open the closet again. And so I actually do think he's going to have problems with that. And I think the way that he operates is going to cause problems. Obviously, uh, the page one story in the New York Times on Sunday that connects to the call we had from Eric uh, a few minutes ago uh, in the way that he went after an elected prosecutor who yeah. was one of the prosecutors who said, I am not enforcing laws that you know I regard as immoral or wrong or unconstitutional. Uh, and the Times investigation into that, once again, sort of 
produced that that side of DeSantis that we know exists. I mean, maybe I'm making it too complicated. It's really like Trump. You know, Trump has a lot of really bad ideas and a lot of unappealing characteristics, and and many of the principles to which he hews are are principles that many of us would reject. But he's also not really good at governing, and, and he doesn't really understand government. He's not that interested in government. He's interested in photo ops and chances to do media. And in particular, he's really interested in having people clap and scream and laugh when he talks. Uh, he's interested in, in approval. Whereas I think Ron DeSantis actually knows a lot about government, and that should yeah. scare you. Yeah, and I also think, like, I—, I get what you were saying about him not scaling up well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my dad has said the same thing. He's like, there's no way he could be viable nationally. But people in Florida love Ron DeSantis. Like, they really love him. And Miami, which used to be sort of like, you know, in a purple state, like a pretty solidly, you know, vote Democratic every single presidential election, like went very, very, very hard for Ron DeSantis this past election. So I just feel like there's a way in which, like, I don't know, like, he might surprise you come, you know, next year. And I, yeah, I just, I don't think we can hold off that, like, he's not charismatic enough and therefore he won't win. I don't think that's, I I don't know. I just think we need to, like, really pay attention and really be talking about the types of policies that he is enacting in Florida and ask ourselves those sorts of questions about, like, what would that look like if he tried to make those applications, like, nationally? And, yeah, I yeah I don't think it is a promising trend. And, I, and there are governors around the country that are sort of, like, seeing what's happening in Florida and being like, that looks like a good thing to do, and I'm going to do that <laughs> in my state, too. Yeah. I, by the way, I agree with you. I, I said he, he might not scale up well. But I after 2016, I'm kind of out of the business uh, of saying, oh, okay, I understand from everything that I've seen in my life so far what is probably going to happen here because that was the heuristic I applied uh, in 2016 and it led me to a, any number of false conclusions. So, yeah, just sort of spitballing it, just sort of eyeing DeSantis. It doesn't seem like that the better people get to know him, the more they're going to like him. But I, I'm, I'm not making any big bets at this point and it's clear that the political arena has a whole different set of textures to it uh, that it didn't used to have. So I, I think you should feel very free to worry. Um, and, and perhaps <laughs> yeah. there's even something more constructive than worrying that we can think of to do. But right now we have to take a break. Margaret, Anthony, Bernie, David, first of all, I loved your first album. Stay online. Uh, we'll get to you right after the break. Sweep me out to sea, weep for you and me, see what we can be if we just let it breathe. Take me to the sand, I'll cry away the salt, I know it's not your fault, just nothing left in us at all. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. 
ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygen it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. I know, I know, I hate to pot it down too, but we're actually going to play more by, this is Soul Coughing, Mike Dottie is the mastermind behind Soul Coughing. I think we have a Mike Dottie solo song that will be used tomorrow too, so we're, we're close to, be able to being, able, being able to go all Mike Dottie all the time. Uh, right now though, we're doing instead, ask or tell me anything, call 888-720-WNPR. That translates to 888-720-9677. If you're sitting there going, wait a minute, I don't have any letters on my keypad. I guess smartphones don't Smartphones don't have that, do they? Smartphones, do they not have letters? I'm looking in at pants there. He's shaking his head, I think. They don't have letters, right? If you have a smartphone, you have to know the number, right? Yeah. Does it do any good? Uh, I'm looking. I'm looking right now. Okay. Um, let's pull it up right now. Let's investigate. Oh, no, they do. They do. That was a falsehood. <laughs> I just circulated an unverified falsehood. They do have, they still have the letters. So, so it's useful to everyone. All right, here we go. We are going to just go right down the chain here. We're going to start with Margaret in Greenport. Hi, Margaret. You have the floor. Hi. Thank you. Can you hear me? Yep. Hear you just fine. Okay, good. All right. So, one thing I wanted to say was I like waking up early in the morning with light. That's why I like the standard time or whatever it is, just so you know. But the main thing I wanted to talk about was the whole thing about abortion rights, because when the Supreme Court overturned Roe versus Wade, there was a lot of talk about the fact that it takes a male and a female to have a pregnancy. But women are the ones that are being blamed, accused, suffered, oppressed, and everything else. And the males who impregnate the females, get away with nothing. They don't have any responsibility. We need to do something about that. And I know there were talks about, you know, getting males to have vasectomies and a lot more education. 
there's just something wrong with this picture. You know, it's almost like, okay, well, men can have sex, women can't. If they do, they're bad if they get pregnant. And this is, plus, the people that are for, that are pro-life are also pro-guns and war. So if they're pro-life, they, sh- sh- they should be against war and against guns, but they're not. It's an oxymoron, and I don't know. And the other thing, Colin, I wanted to say was, I'm a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. If you have upper back pain that's waking you up in the middle of the night, yep. <clears throat> that's a signal you should pursue what's going on, because pain that wakes people up could be serious. So you don't want to just ignore it. Um, right. I actually I, I had happened to have a do- uh, an appointment with my doctor last week, so he's already looked at me. Um, I'm going through one of those difficult times. I don't know how old you are, and I won't inquire, but um, you reach an age where all the people who took care of you all your life retire, and then you're yeah. still alive. <laughs> you're still, wait a second. So my dentist, I have a very good dentist, but she is the daughter of one of my uh, high school classmates, which, you know, I mean, that really kind of lets you know where you are in the, con- the, the timeline of existence. And then my uh, PCP, my primary care physician, um, he retired last year. His name is Jack. He doesn't use a last name, so it's very hard to find him now. But um, So I have a new doctor who I like quite a bit. He seems like a very nice person. And I did have him look at all of this. I also, if I need to go to a chiropractor, I have Peter Meadow is my uh, chiropractor on standby. Uh, so I, wouldn't, I don't want you to worry about all this. And okay. you know what I've been doing? I, you know how they have, yeah, well, first of all, I've been, you know how the thing you roll on a tennis ball? You're a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. You know all about that. So I've been doing that, but I also have those kinds of um, kind of hard foam roll, roller bars, you know, that you foam can roller. roll. Yeah, foam rollers. Uh, and so I've been doing that. Although this involves getting down on the floor, and I have yeah. this large dog named Declan. And like if I'm rolling on a tennis ball, he comes over and he looks at me like, okay, I don't know this game. I've no, I've not I've never seen this game before. So just like tell me what the rules are. Do I try to get the ball out from under you with my teeth, uh, right. or what? You know, I yep. almost have to like bar the door so I so I can do this. But I don't want you to worry. I think I'm going to be fine. Okay. And, and if I'm not, they'll have somebody else host these shows. You know, I mean, uh, you'll, you'll just <laughs> no, tune no, in. No, you don't want. No, and also get some good massage therapy. You'll just That's- tune in one day, and Frankie Graziano would be uh, will be there. Oh, don't worry about that. I have a regular ther- massage therapist uh, okay. named Bonita. Uh, so it's all covered. It's covered. I just <laughs> the problem is, and just to circle back to your original point. Yeah. You know, I was talking about God before, and I think this is another one where if God could get a mulligan, if God could get a do over on this. You know, I think he'd say, "Okay, I'm going to make men. I'm going to make women. I'm going to make the backs way better. You know, it's like Subarus get better every single time. There's no reason why, you know, our backs shouldn't be, be, you know, in in fine shape. I'm going to make good backs for them. And I'm making a rule where anybody can get pregnant. Men, women, anybody can get pregnant. So take your chances out there, boys and girls. But don't think it's going to be a one sided thing because it's not. And I feel like. If God could do it all over again, which apparently God cannot do unless there's a multiverse, um, I think God would, would say, yeah, that's the way to do this. You know, it just it never made any sense that half of the species had to bear all of the risk of, uh, of death during childbirth and, and all the hardships that go with pregnancy and post-pregnancy, and the other half could go play golf. You know, I just yeah. I don't think that could have possibly have been in, in the deity's mind. Uh, you know, I just it's an oversight. It's an oversight. Fix it in post. That's <laughs> I think I could fo- I could found an entire religious movement. 
based on the idea of God God wants to fix it in post. Like it'll be a few weeks, <laughs> a few weeks to turn this around. Uh, he's going to send everybody to Jim Chapdelaine, and Jim Chapdelaine's going to fix it in post. Uh, all right, so um, where are we going to go? We're going to go to Anthony in West Hartford. And yes, we'll go to Anthony in West Hartford. Uh, and then we're going to take another break, I think, because it's the, the it's time is flying by. I think when they move the clocks, when they move the change the time, they actually also accelerate time. And they don't mention that fact. And by the way, uh, uh, Jonathan McNichol, uh, Jonathan McPants, the, who's producing this show, I think he has a really good idea, which is, so you change the clocks half an hour once, right? And then you never touch them again. That's the plan. But which so like, which direction do you do you change them in though? That's the part that I don't know. Um, all right, uh, Anthony from West Hartford, you have the conch shell. Um, hello, Hi. Colin. Thanks for having me on. This is the first time calling. Big fan. Um, I just wanted to talk about the lack of uh, motorcycle helmet laws in the state of Connecticut, mm-hmm. and um, just kind of raise some awareness, maybe to your listeners or yourself. A lot of people I talk to. I find that they don't even realize that it's not a law. Um, my father was killed in a motorcycle accident here in West Hartford last year, um, you know, on a registered motorcycle because that was the law with insurance because that was the law. But he was not wearing a helmet because that he didn't have to. Yeah, first and, of all, uh, that, is just ter- yeah, that is just terrible. Um, I mean, I'm first of all, so, so sorry that that happened. And, yeah, I think this is an area where people – I back when I was more of a state capital reporter, I saw you know hearings on bills like this and everything, and it just I could never really understand it. I mean, I, I do understand it, and probably your father felt this way too. That there's a kind of freedom that's epitomized by a motorcycle. Um, it's and in the the sense of liberation that some motor, motorcycle. I rode, yeah, I ride myself. Yeah, and I wasn't wearing a helmet either, like a fool. Right. Now I do. Right. But um, you know, it's. Something has to change because it's not always about the people that are on the bike. Yeah, it's it kind of I mean? it kind of ties into what Margaret was saying a couple seconds ago, which is you know women get pregnant, men get women pregnant, and then they don't necessarily have to take any of the responsibilities. And this is another situation where a choice that one person makes has a ripple effect across a huge population. It has a ripple effect across the immediate family, people like you. You lose a loved one. Cops and ambulance workers have to deal with probably a you know pretty horrific situation uh, at a scene. Right. Uh, the medical system gets uh, gets saddled with what is, might be a somewhat less than necessary critical case. Uh, there's expenses that go into it that are often very, very high. So, yeah, I mean, but I think testimony from somebody like you is very powerful. Your life could conceivably be a very different life if your dad uh, had been forced to wear a helmet. Yeah, so that's all. I just wanted to put it out there. Well, I appreciate that. Well, thanks. Took a lot of courage uh, to to call and talk about that because it's hard. It's a, just a hard thing in your life. So, Anthony, I hope you you feel okay, and you know you'll never feel entirely okay about this. But uh, I hope it it helped to say something today. Anyway, all right, we are going to take a break. We're going to come back, and then who knows what will happen. Oh my Colossus. I'm blind, but I can see this room so well From our youth, our fossils I find Buried in lobbies of macabre hotels Press your own foot on my own thigh I fall in love with everyone I'm told 
It is time for me to say some thank yous. Uh, the first thank you is to Cat Pastor. She's our technical producer. And then this episode is produced by Jonathan McPants. He's there in the studio right now talking to people on the phone as they call up. Our senior producer is Lily Tyson. I don't know what she's doing right now, but it's whatever she's doing, she's making the world a more organized place in this show, in particular, a more organized show. Uh, and that's good because otherwise we would spiral off into chaos. Uh, she's basically personally fighting the second law of thermodynamics right now. Um, so anyway, I, I, you know, we have like a new trend that started on this show because <laughs> it's cause it started on our exclamation point show, which is that Danny Hart now texts me during the show to tell me things. So he, well, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's just I'm just telling you that this is like I'm an air traffic controller now. This is the kind of stress that I live under. Uh, all right. Here is. Bernie from Hartford. Hi, Bernie. Hi there. You have so, the floor. You have the conch shell. You have everything. All right. So here it is. So I I listen to a lot of NPR, and there we get these. You you produce these ads. The one for the junk cars is just really egregious, and for whatever reason, I find it seems like that one gets played like sixteen times a day. And I know once before on one of these calls, somebody called in about it, and you made the point that they're not ads. But I really believe they are ads because they're promoting W or CPTV, you know, for mm. CPTBN. And so that's – so I know there's not much you can do about it, but since this is for griping, I just thought I would gripe. <laughs> so these are, the, these are the ads that encourage you to donate your car when your car's on your – I actually did this once. At least once. Uh, oh, when your car was on your is on your last legs, you just you donate it. You say, "Here, I don't want it anymore." You come get it. Um, and and maybe the problem isn't the ads. I mean, I think there might be two problems. One of them, and they're not ads anyway. But um, uh, one of them is maybe the frequency with which they run. I, I agree that there are things that run on the airwaves of this fine company, this this company which I regard as a paragon of public broadcasting excellence. Nonetheless, no, nobody's perfect. There are things, promo announcements that run too much, uh, run to a point where they begin to annoy people. I completely side with you on that. And I think maybe the other way, maybe they just need to be sort of redone periodically and done possibly in a more conversational manner or just a different tone or something like that. But I think the idea is basically more. going, yeah, I think maybe you'd be less annoyed uh, if we did it that way. The idea is a pretty good yeah, one. I'm I mean, a sustaining member, too. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, that's, I feel invested. No, I, it's I, sort of like me. I own one share of Green Bay Packers stock. Mr. Carp bought it for me, but uh, so I own a sh the Green Bay Packers is, I think, the only professional uh, sports franchise where the people uh, own the team. Uh, we have no rich right. owners and stuff like that. So I feel, you know, as an owner, um, you know, I feel as though I should be able to tell them whether to resign Aaron Rodgers or not. Uh, now the truth is, uh, they won't listen to me, but I feel that way, and you feel that way because you're a sustaining member, and you should feel that way. And I will talk to somebody about this in the sternest tones. All right. I really appreciate that. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think I <laughs> I want some really bad cars. I don't have a really I have a nice car now. I mean, it's not a fancy car or anything. It's a Subaru, but uh, Subaru Subaru Outback. It's a lovely car. I've owned some really horrible cars, and I went through a 
<laughs> I went through a period way later in life. So there's a time in your life when you're in, like when you're 25 and through maybe 35, you can maybe justify, assuming that you haven't picked an incredibly remunerative career, you can sort of justify, okay, I'm going to buy a car for $3,000. I'm going to drive it until it doesn't work anymore. Uh, I was doing that. <laughs> it's so embarrassing when I think about it. I think I might have been in my 50s continuing to do that and, and buying some pretty damn implausible cars too, including a Kia that actually had been sort of put together by the previous owner. Like they assembled it from, I don't know what, they just like bought all kinds of different parts and put it together. <laughs> but it wasn't like made in a factory that was my point. It was made by somebody, some guy. Um so anyway, um, but I, I, there was a car that I – there was a car that was in that generation of cars, and I just gave it away. I gave it to this fine company because I didn't want it anymore, and I didn't want – you know what you're spared? You're spared finding out what your car is actually worth because otherwise, if you take it to the dealership or you try to sell it yourself or something, it's just the news is going to be horrible. Uh, all right. Um, where am I supposed to go now? What am I supposed to do? Actually, since we're talking about cars, we'll go to David. Hi, David. You have the floor. Well, speaking of cars, yes. uh, my, my father is probably at least 15 years older than you, and uh, he still does that, with, uh, <laughs> buying you know cars for $3,000 and driving them for the day. <laughs> it's a but lifestyle. It's sort of an automotive hobo lifestyle. It's like you're a hobo, yeah. but you don't need trains. You're just one step above <laughs> the hobos who have to hop on trains. You have your own thing. That's what it's like. Anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah. He picks up all those too. Yeah. So my, I, my I, I've written to you about this, but my, I am wondering what is going on with our state police cars in that it seems to me that we now have a state police secret police force because every single state police car that I have seen on the road, and maybe this is your experience also, uh, is unmarked. You can't tell what car is a, a state police car for and took to the point just last week I was getting into my car, which doesn't look unlike some of those SUVs. And, uh, I got, I almost got into a police car. So <laughs> I'm wondering what, what is the point behind this? I mean, if anything, you want to be able to recognize the police from a distance. You want to know that they're out there. You want to know that, 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 that is the car that's pulled over on the side of the road. And, you know, they, they, they enhance security by their presence. And what, what, what do you think? Why, why are all these police cars hidden now? Well, so the Connecticut State Police, they do have a tradition. It's been going on for a while. I mean, first of all, obviously, all police departments have some unmarked cars. And even if they're doing tra sure. traffic enforcement and they want to catch you speeding or something like that, they, they, they might do that with an unmarked car. Now, the, the thing that makes it difficult is, like, it used to be back in the day, I think, you know, they had all those Crown Vicks. And I think they would just have some of them be unmarked. Some of them, I think you can even get them where you can take the bar off the top that has the lights and stuff like that. But, um, but I think my dad got one of those. I, 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 I listen, buying those, that stuff at auction is something, another thing that I have done in my life. So uh, the problem with the Crown Vicks is they get like five blocks to the gallon, you know. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know who buys them? Um, at least this is a few, it goes back a few years, but I was at an auction and some guy told me, and, and some guy telling you something is always incredibly reliable, fully fact-checked information. But some guy told me <laughs> that, um, like people from OPEC countries <laughs> buy them and they even ship them back there because the Crown Vicks are so overpowered. You know, they just have like, way more house horsepower than is really needed 
uh, to pull their weight. And so that, you know, in oil-rich countries where they don't mind that they get, you know, 16 blocks per gallon, uh, they were very, very sought after. But so the, the state cops, what they do is they use a lot of cars that are like Camaros, and Mustangs and Ford Explorers and Toyota Camrys and Honda Accords. They use those as, as unmarked. Every, anybody can avoid an unmarked Crown Vic. Like, on principle, a Crown Vic goes anywhere near you on the highway. You just slow down, right? I mean, just Who knows exactly. who's driving it? It could be your grandmother. You don't know. But it, 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 the chances that it's a cop car are high. And what the Connecticut State Police did about that was they just started getting cars that didn't look like cop cars. Um, but so anyway, that's why you almost got in one. But it would have been – you should preserve the tape of this in case you do it again because that would be a very hard thing to explain to the cops. No, I really thought this was my car. Uh, that's why I'm – that's why I have a coat hanger and I'm trying to break into a police car right now. Um, yeah. All right. So anyway, I'm sorry about all that. I'm sorry about everything really. I don't know. We really only have a minute. You know, I'm going to see if Claudia can do this in a minute. Uh, here we go. Uh, Claudia, what can you do? give me in 60 seconds? I'm starting the oh, timer right cool. now. Okay. Um, can you hear me okay? I can hear you just fine. Yep. Uh, so, DeSantis, what does woke even mean? Arresting citizens that thought they could vote, police were sympathetic, cases in court cleared them, using taxpayer money to send te- Texas residents to Martha's Vineyard, vineyard ex- um, expedited because rights were violated, so he literally helped them. Parents' rights that already existed against free speech for corporations, very authoritarian, removing duly elected DA, rewrote maps that redistrict, um, let's see, it, it took away the, the Democratic-leaning districts. When there was a hurricane, he extended the ability of Republican-leaning districts. The, this, I do. <laughs> you did a great job. You the fabulously, uh, Claudia. I'm actually now legally re, uh, required now to say the following has been, annou- been an announcement paid for by Citizens Against Ron DeSantis. I'm Ron DeSantis, and I don't approve this ad. Uh, all right. Thanks very much for listening. It's been another Ask or Tell Me Anything. Some guy on Twitter says it's like watching paint dry when it's very humid. <laughs> we might use that as a slogan. Have the lawyers see whether we can get that or not. Anyway, many more things to come this week. Stay with us. Thank you.